0: Hey there, everybody. This is Scott Grimes. I play Gordon Malloy on the Orville, and you are listening to the Planetary Union Network Orville Fan Podcast. Dig it!
1: This is Geek Punk.
2: Hello, and welcome to Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast. I'm Dan Taylor, and with me are my two co-hosts, Joe Quickle and Michael May. Gentlemen, how are you?
3: I'm doing great. Happy birthday, Dan.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, happy birthday. I think I'm turning 50 as we record this episode. <laughs> 50 going on to 100. Um. <laughs> uh so um i was busy being a parent um my kid got a crayon stuck up her nose and you gentlemen had the opportunity to talk to joseph a poro correct that's right that we did all right let's go ahead and roll that then we discuss what you guys discussed
1: so we are here with joseph a poro and uh you have an extensive resume in, in film and television uh, and, and a lot of it just including my favorite films in general i know dan would want me to mention near dark um but also tombstone and stargate shanghai noon uh and more recently the uh the salem tv show and now the orville um so that's uh that's just quite impressive <laughs> oh thank you um to, to begin with, though, we're talking about the Orville uh, tonight. Can, can you just kind of walk us through, like what was the design process like for the Orville uniforms?
0: The, you know, the uniforms are still in design mode. Uh, they are the, probably the most difficult thing I've done in my 35-year career. Wow. Is the Orville uniforms. Believe it or not, they look pretty simple, don't they? There's, I mean, they're simpler than the Star Trek Discovery ones. Uh, it's the fabric, and it's the cut, and it's the fit. And it's uh, working in Los Angeles, t- trying to find the right tailors who can handle these very... We had the fabrics uh, custom-made for us in China. Uh, I went to some places that manufactured high-tech fabrics for sportswear and for uh, trainer shoes. And uh, I I hunted down these sources and we had them make the fabrics for the uniforms in very specific colors that uh, Seth MacFarlane liked. And then it was taking these fabrics and trying to drape them into like an Eaton collar jacket that hung well. And, uh, it's been a challenge and, uh, I think they look fine for season one. I mean, a lot of people are very happy. Seth's very happy with them, but we're going to take them uh, a little further in season two. There's going to be some slight tweaking. I met with Seth today and we had a long conversation about them. I know also on the badges and on the epaulette, uh, pieces, we're also going to tweak them also slightly. So it won't be any drastic changes. Mm-hmm. They'll look very similar, but hopefully they'll fit a little better and they'll, uh, maybe they'll sparkle a little more. You'll see. You'll have to wait till you see <laughs> the first episode to see what we do. What's interesting for us is what we, I mean, things that I didn't think of when I went in today's meeting with Seth was we have an episode from last season that we're bringing in early in this season. So if we make any drastic mm-hmm. changes to anything, you kind of got to do it in sequence which is interesting. I mean, we didn't think about that. Like, right. you don't want to throw the audience off. Uh, we're also talking about our Isaac character and trying to make him look cooler and uh, more pulled together. Uh, so those are my two big challenges going into season two. I'm very, very thrilled to be doing season two. Uh, I, but I always had faith in it. All the uh, uh, other department heads, they were like, Oh, we'll see if, I said, guys, I've read all the scripts. This is a hit. I know it. I know it. I just... I, I've been doing this a long time. I know when I'm, I'm doing something that's going to get canceled. This is not going to get canceled. So I was right. And so they all come to me at the wrap at the party. And I'll tell you, you were the one who said it on day one. You were the one. So uh, even Seth said that to me. He said, yep, you had faith in it. So... Uh, but they, they've been a challenge. The uniforms have been... Re- What's strange... Because uh, most designers... This would not be the case. The more complicated, really elaborate, lavish things, I can do them in my sleep. Because mm. I, I can always go to insanity. You know, as a designer, oh, oh, you want a crazy alien? I, I'll give you 20. You know what <laughs> I mean? I, that, that I can do. But subtlety and something that, you know, just is camera ready and looks good all the time, that, that's, that's a lot more work in that sometimes.
1: Which is interesting. You talk a little bit about that cloth, or the, the the fabric that you use. Like what? Why why you, why did you go with such a like challenging fabric? Was it
0: well because I couldn't put them in wool pinstripes? Right. <laughs> I mean, think okay. about it. Uh, yeah. Wool pinstripe, I could have laid on his body beautifully. I've, I've done them a thousand times. I could have wool molds to your body beautifully. Uh, And if you make a fabric too stretchy, which would mold to your body beautifully, it'll show every human flaw in everyone. Right. So if I have a character who's 65 and his body's not that great, that's not going to look good on him. So you've got to find, I have a, the fabric has stretch, but it has slight stretch and it has a high tech texture to it which makes sense for 400 years in the future. And believe me, of all the fabrics I looked at, I think the one I got was, one of, was a good choice. It's just the challenge of, uh, I don't know if these guys, wanna, your fans want to hear about it, uh, understructure, padding, you know the kind of stuff yeah. that we do in a workroom that doesn't excite people who like sci-fi. But <laughs> uh, you know, it's all, all that end of it and that aspect of it, which is uh, the challenge.
3: Yeah, we're going uh, to have some of the cosplayers, I'm sure, listening to this, so they're interested.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, apparently they've knocked me off in China. <laughs> yeah. uh, they've knocked off the uniform, and you can buy it, apparently, on a couple of different websites. You can buy the not just my uniform, but Star Trek Discoveries also is available for sale. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, um,
1: what are your thoughts on that? It is what it is. I don't get upset
0: about it. Okay. Uh, if, we make a, if, if Fox wants to make one and sell one, I'm sure the quality level will be, will be much better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so if they want to go there, then they go there. And they can always show them. If well, good luck with that. Right. You know, finding yeah, this yeah. factory and this. yeah, good luck with that. Uh, I work with China uh, on the show actually. Uh, many of our fabrics were purchased in Guangzhou in China. I flew there and spent a couple of weeks. I've worked extensively in China. I've done seven uh, motion pictures there. And I've also done three lines of clothing. And I have lots of dear, dear friends who are Chinese and who are in the film business. And uh, we, the resources for fabrics... Uh, Los Angeles, it used to be New York, was the largest fabric market in the Americas. And that's all pretty much left and gone. And the largest fabric market in America now is Los Angeles. And the Guangzhou market, uh, Los Angeles downtown is like a, a half a mile square of fabric. And the Guangzhou market is 30 miles square. And it's not just square, it's also six to 10 stories high. If you can Uh, fathom, it would, (laughs) if you had a golf cart, it would take you two and a half weeks to see everything. (laughs) Wow. So, and it's all new stuff. A high, and a lot of it's very high tech. A lot of it's very innovative. So if you want cool, edgy fabric for the future, Guangzhou is where to go. And most costume designers, I'm the only one who goes there. I know it already. Uh, There's nobody else who goes there. Uh so I I have this weird thing with Fox because I purchased a lot of fabrics and had a lot of stuff done in uh China for Salem. So for 3 years we were we we were you know making background clothing. It's we did all our principal stuff in America but uh because that's it, all the labor force I could find. But uh the background things I had made there on on the Orville we're making everything predominantly in the United States. And we're just we're just buying the fabrics from there, and it's you know if I go to downtown LA, it's the same Chinese fabric. They purchased it first. I'm just getting it wholesale by going to China, but I'm I'm looking at some of the same fabrics that that I saw in Guangzhou, but what I'm seeing is I'm seeing really unusual stuff, and stuff I know my competitors can't find. You get where I'm coming from. Right. I want to put things on my on my people that they can't find. So uh, that's where I'm coming from with that. And I'll probably be leaving in January to go back for a quick uh, shopping trip. Nice. Now,
1: you mentioned that Seth has some really specific ideas for the colors. Can, can you provide any insights into
0: like, why he Let the Let me tell you how the Orville works. This is yeah. how the Orville works. And I can probably get away with this saying what I'm saying. Seth is... I am not the costume designer. Seth is the costume designer. (laughs) Uh, The same is true with production design, special effects, music, script, uh, a lot of the directing. He is, this is his baby. This is his child. He's wanted to do this for years. He's like in a little kid in a toy shop heaven on this one. And he really loves this project. And, uh, what's great about it, now you might say, well, he's kind of telling you what to do. Well, if you know and look at my career, I know how to design.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and uh, I'm not intimidated by a, a super creative person. Where I'm lucky compared to all the other sci fi shows in Hollywood right now, where I'm really, really lucky, is I'm not doing something based off a comic strip that's already been designed. So I'm the really the uh and I I guess you could say that's true about probably discovery too cuz they're doing a lot of new uh versions of their show too. So the, I would say the two of us. We're that we're kind of doing stuff that's not based off a comic strip character. So I don't have a board of directors, 12 producers, you know, three advisors, a director and and then the actor on top of it telling me you have to do it exactly like this sketch I'm handing you. You're really not designing it. You're really just picking out the fabrics and having your team sew it up. Mm. I'm actually. We are really designing on your belt. We are sketching. We are. And what What is weird? Here's where it gets crazy. Is his obsessions with me? Because a lot of the show, he just leaves me alone and lets me do my own thing. But the thing that he really cares about it was the uniforms and the badges and the and. Uh, all of that stuff, the ranking, all of that was really important to him, and he was fully involved because we went through literally 50, 60 different uniform designs till we landed on one that he liked, uh, which was a challenge. And, uh, and then through the fittings we altered, and then we, went, we made like 10 mock-ups and fi- refined it as we went along to the until we got to where we got. So that was a lot of work. He was very into the Krill, uh, his bad guys, and then he was uh, the Mocklin people. He was also very interested in, but for the most part, all the really crazy aliens, he just kind of lets me do them, and a lot of them, you know, the day players, are, he just he just gives me a free hand. So it is a um, for me going to work. It's very creative. Uh, as I said, I, I don't have the, the sketch handed to me when I start the job on day one. I get to process it, out, of, you know. And a lot of it is him and, and I will go back and forth on some things. Is I love this outfit, but that neckline, could you bring it down a little bit or, or could we t- take that, off, that trim off the sleeve and then it will be perfect. Usually he'll simplify things because I tend to, I'm an over-designer. W- what he does like about me is he gets more rather than less. So instead of not getting enough, he'll get too much. <laughs> he'll say, Oh, Joe, you're going a little crazy this week. Take that down a little bit, you know, and then I'll take it down, you know, I'm fine, you know, cause I genuinely like the guy and he, uh, it's also, if you come on the Orville set, it is one of the most pleasant working environments I've ever worked on in, in oh, years. Okay. Uh, every, yeah, he's, he's a, a kind person you know, and it starts at the top and uh, we don't have yelling on screaming on the Orville. We don't, you know, have all this big drama, you know, and the actors all love each other. And, and it's just like this really fun environment. You know, nice. we, we, it's like a joy to go to work in the morning, which considering how many hours we're working is it, nice. You know what I'm saying?
3: Right. Yeah. That, that attitude seems to shine through with everyone we've talked to. And I mean, we've had what Michael, like I think, I think you're our our twelfth person involved with the cast or crew that we've had on, and we couldn't ask for better guests. Really, everyone's been great.
1: Yeah, everybody's super
3: nice. Uh, it's and, a
0: great group of yeah. people, and I, I love Howard Berger, our makeup artist, and Stephen, our, our production designer, and our special effects team. Props guys are, are really good. It's just a, it's a fun group, and, and as I said, not only do I get designed, but we all get to design, really design on the show. So, but you've got to get one thing about sci-fi. This is something that I bet the fans don't get, that for a designer, when you're doing, let's take Salem, which was 400 years in the past. Mm-hmm. Salem, once I've established my background people every week, I only really need to concern myself with my principal characters because they're all in these dirty rags walking around the streets with pox and everything. <laughs> and so it's, it's, we repeat the clothes on the background people all year long, all season long. But when you do sci-fi one-hour episodic that is not sequential, mm-hmm. that is a different story in each one, because Star Trek Discovery is sequential. We're not. Right. So we go to a different planet. So the Moklin planet or the Caliban planet those costumes get thrown in the trash can. Hmm. We never see them again. So all that work on those 30 or 40 background people, all that labor, the overdying, the you know, the trims and all the alterate, it's it's gone and I have to now create the next alien planet. Yeah. So on an 8-day schedule rather than like a film schedule where I have months and I'll have maybe six or seven alien play, Let's say, take a Star Wars you might, at the, at the wildest scenario, go to have six or seven different alien races or whatever. Uh, on this show, I just have to create in eight days a, a new planet and a, and children <laughs> and parents and it is the most difficult costume designing you can do in Hollywood. Sci-fi, non-sequential, one-hour episodic. It's the hardest thing for any designer to do. Yeah. Sounds like you love it, though. <laughs> 'Cause I've done everything else. It's, nothing is harder than this.
3: The uh so you said you're able to go a little wild on the aliens at, uh did were, did you do the the krill uniforms in battle gear?
0: And if so, what was the inspiration yeah, we, we, on that we, one? Uh, where was I coming from with that? I was coming from a kind of thinking reptilian and there's a very slight pattern in their armor of a reptilian thing. Scale I thought krill first, so krill, I thought shrimp. You know what I mean? So krill, oh, yeah, shrimp, right. yeah, shrimp, yeah, exactly. shrimp, scales. Yeah, that's shrimp, what I thought scales, whenever I saw you them. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> you know, scales, they they got scales. You know what I mean? I like the or, going organic rather than very rigid and geometric. I went more organic. Uh, and again, you know, if it was a film, it might have gone to time-wise one level. Uh, we're working on a... You've got to get our, our budget was, I think, a third of what Star Trek Discovery had. so uh, and, and labor force and everything was much smaller on this one. Fox wasn't quite ready for what it cost to make a sci-fi show. I think they kind of were a little in shock when they realized <laughs> how much money it takes to make one of these. And every week, and all the new special effects. And, and, and it's just, these shows are hugely expensive. Mm-hmm. And we, didn't have, we don't have the lead in time on TV that you get, you get on a film. I just, uh, Sonia Hayes, who, is, uh, who did the last Star Trek film, uh, she's a dear friend of mine. And uh, I gave her a first job, actually. And we were doing a, an interview and a discussion and talking about the differences between film design and TV design the pressure, and she admit, you know, we were, you know, when you're on a film, she had nine months prep, and, you know, I got eight days, you know, so if it looks, guys, always when you're seeing that, you always, just give me a little slack, no, I tried, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I did my best, you know what I mean, because uh, of course, if I had another two weeks, it would have gone to, you know, and the same with the sets, and the same with but uh, I think our audience is liking it all, you know, oh, yeah. uh, all in all. I think they're all pretty happy with us.
1: It looks great. You know, I, but, I, I'm, I'm shocked that you're saying you only have eight days to, to pull all that together. That's it looks amazing.
0: But what, what you do is, you I'm, I have eight days for that episode, but I'm actually three episodes ahead. Sure. If you, if you can get what I'm saying. So yeah. I'm doing all my background for two episodes ahead of what, I'm, what we're working on right now. Right now, I'll work on the principals because I don't have their sizes till a couple of days. So I'll, I'll do my background. So if I have 40 backgrounds, I'm working on them three weeks in advance where we've where got them going through the workroom. And then the principals come in from that episode a few days before, and we build their costumes. So you see how, that, how it works. It's the only way you can do it uh, so that you're focused. Usually on any show, the most people with lines you'll have is like three or four people from each alien race the krill one we had more i think we had like six or seven or the moklin one we had five or six also mm-hmm. you know principals. but you know it it so it's the only way to make it work on the time schedule you're working with Gotcha. but i want to for next season well if you watched salem you would have seen the first season and everyone was happy with it but and everyone liked it. But I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I'm really tough on myself. And it was, like, not where I wanted it to be. Season two, uh, it got a whole lot better. And by season three, I was cranking. We were putting up hand-embroidered dresses of silk, broke, And that was just, like, outrageous for, for an eight-day, you know, uh, non-networked uh, cable show but the, mm-hmm. the quality level really just went through the roof. And that's, what's going to happen here on this show. I am not going to sit back season two because we've designed some. No, we need to take everything to the next level. And yes. then season three, and there will be a season three, trust me, it's going to <laughs> <it's gonna laughs> go to the next level. It's, I'm just going to keep pushing it. You know what I mean? Uh, and awesome. more. And I, cause nothing I love more than with sci-fi cause I'm a total nerd myself is I just want to see cool shit and I want to see cool aliens. You know what I mean? I want them to make sense. I want them to fit in the story. I don't want them to just be about the costume. The costume has to make sense for the character and the planet. But I, I want to get more complicated with it. I, as I get more time or as as we fine-tune the system, it hopefully hopefully, this season will be better looking all, all the way around. some Lots of fun. I know... I'm not going to tell you what, but I do have a serious episode with many, many aliens in it. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. But, All right.
2: <laughs> uh, it, it'll be
0: a real eye candy one we have coming up uh, in season two. Can't
1: wait. I want to go back to the colors on the, on the, the, the departmental colors a little bit. Can you give us any insight into... You know, like, why purple was chosen for this, or orange was ch- chosen for that, or
0: purple? Uh, oh, yeah, I can because the, these, these were discussed in, in length with Seth and Brandon Braga, and me and uh, production designer Steven. Uh, I think blue is blue, went for officer, but blue also because true blue. He likes the color blue. Mm -hmm. He looks good in the color blue. We did five or six shades of blue, and we laid them against him in the mirror, and he picked that shade of blue. He liked that the best, the way it looked on him. So that's why we ended up with that shade of blue, and we ended up with blue for the officers. So then we had to do the uh, security, Olar and all of them, and we felt that red is a a color of uh, passion and a color of strength, so it's used in battle a lot. So we thought that that was good for security. I wanted to go light blue for uh, the nurses and the medical and all of that, because I always associate that with hospitals. Uh, sure. And he didn't go there. And he, he didn't go there. He, you know, he com- and he combined the... So he went to green, and he went to a green that combined science and medical you know, research, science, medical. So he, mm-hmm. that just became, instead of doing, I fought for that light blue though, I did, but I, I lost that though. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Uh, so that ended up being the green and we were looking at the color palette and we ended up with the orange because we looked at gold and gold just got too warm and the orange worked better against the others when, for, and that is for engineering. So, uh, that's how the orange came by default. Okay. The blue was the first choice. The red was the first choice. I know. So, what's your opinion? Would you have chosen? The, would you say hot pink for the for the officers? Oh, it'd be purple because purple is regal and purple is command. It's uh, the co- color of royalty. Uh, the top of the line is a purple that goes back to medieval times. Uh, sure. That thought process. So, I use purple for the admiral. Nice. So that's why we ended up there with the Purple.
1: Very cool.
3: Yeah, we had Scott uh, Scott Grimes on a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. he was like, uh, just a- ask him why we put orange on a redhead.
0: <laughs> oh, as soon as we did that, we were we were talking about Scott, actually. When we, and we said, how do you think it's you know, going to work? And Well, we'll see. What do you think? It's kind of monochromatic, isn't it? <laughs> Does it not work? Guys, does it not work for you? Maybe it doesn't, you know? Uh, you know, we all have our opinions. But he's stuck in that, he's stuck in that class. He is our, uh, what, would, what, what is he called? Uh, steering or no, there's no, a Helmsman. word for him. Navigator. Helmsman. Helmsman, yes. Helmsman. Helmsman, yes. Yes, right. And then we have the yeoman. And the yeoman are the gray. They, they haven't reached up in rank high enough to, they, to get a call-up. So you'll see lots of background just wearing like a neutral uh-huh. gray and they'll, and if they're in security they'll have red. That means they're basically trainees. They're they're like uh, privates cool. in an army. So all the grays are like privates, they're they're in their first year, you know, in service for the planetary union or whatever it's called. Yeah. I should know these things, right? You think I should know <laughs> these things, right? <laughs> You're
1: a busy man. You yeah. know us,
0: <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. What's but that? I'm having a lot of fun, I'll tell you that.
1: Good. <laughs> What's the most important thing you'd like cosplayers to know when they're creating their Orville uniforms? Uh, good luck. Right? Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, what I, I, I would get fired, but I would say, why don't you get the Chinese one and then just freak it out? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's going to be really, really hard to find a fabric. Because I went downtown, I searched for viable choices i I looked here first you know because it's right here why am i going to get on a plane when i can look here so i looked here and i looked online here and and first off they were all coming from there and when i was looking at the ones here i couldn't get one at the heavy enough weight you know the problem with them is they're too flimsy those techie fabrics you do find and there's very little of it in the stores down in the in the downtown area, there's very little of this tech fabric. I say, good luck finding it. I mean, if I was to, to build that outfit, like, as a cost, I would be, damn, that would be hard. So I wish them luck, and, and, and I, I want to see them. Hopefully, we're at Comic-Con uh, in, uh, next uh, summer, and I, I would love to see some of these guys pull it off and do it right. But it's going to be a tough fa- fabric to find, anything like it. And as I, get, and I said, with ours, I had it custom-dyed and custom-woven. Wow. So you are not going to find my fabric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find a, 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 a proximity. And I, 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 I bought a lot of it because I had faith in it just being on a while. So I bought like, you know, 1,000 meters. <laughs> you know, of each color, so that I could do this for years. Because they had that. I worked on Star Trek Next Gen. I don't know if you know that. I did the first six oh. episodes. Oh, cool! As assistant designer under Bill tice who did Star Trek: The Original TV series. That's when Majel and Gene Roddenberry were still alive, and mm-hmm. they were. We were fitting Majel all the time. i was a, a cool. I was. I was glad I was there because. Uh, They weren't with us that long after that. So I was glad I got to meet those people, and it was uh, very cool. Uh, But uh, they made the huge mistake of buying fabric on the next gen, and then they ran out of it, and then they Uh couldn't find it. And it turned into this major, major ordeal of stress. Uh, And I was like, I have to remember this in the future (laughs) if I ever do anything like this. That I'm going to make sure my source, you know, and what's, gre- which, what's great about these sources in China is I literally can take a, a fabric that doesn't exist anymore off of like a 75 year old garment, like a, a wool from the 1930s or something really different or off a little bit, and I can take it with me. And there are there's fabric agents that you go to, and they take it like a 10% cut. And you show it to them, and they will hunt 250 factories for someone who will make this for me, who will copy it. And you can't really get those services in the U.S. You know what I mean? There's really no one here. Sadly, there was maybe 100 years ago and 60 years ago, but there's no one here anymore who does that kind of thing. So if you want to get that specific with something, uh, you kind of need to go there.
1: Sadly
0: to say, yeah. Wow, I got I got a couple of questions for
1: you about the episode Majority Rule, where they went to the the planet that's like the twenty first century. Yes, because the that that was so interesting because you know a lot of it looked twenty first century, but you would make little tweaks and and things, and I just was kind of curious what the process was in deciding what to keep the same as ours and what to tweak.
0: That was really hard for a designer. Uh, it's, it's always when the stuff looks the simplest, like just go buy him a pair of jeans and a shirt and then do mm-hmm. something to the shirt, that it actually, to me, wasn't easy. That, that was a lot of racking my brain. We went through like 10 or 15 different concepts there, trying to, and what we ended up was with this double, a double look. It's, I don't know if you noticed, but everyone like had double lapels or double collars and had these strange ties. And uh, so th- if you stared at them at first, they looked just like us because Seth wanted it to look modern day. Mm-hmm. So they looked just like us. But then when you look closer, you, I don't know if you ever noticed it, but almost everyone that had a speaking role or, or huge amounts of the back had uh, double lapels or their pants had double cuffs. I And the, I didn't and notice the that. cuffs of the jackets. Did you notice it? No? no,
1: not that. We noticed the ties um, for sure, but uh, I'm going to have to go back and Yeah, watch. but if you
0: actually look closer, you'll see that a huge amount of that is also completely tweaked. Yeah. So it's subtle. Maybe it should have been more. Now What's your opinion, you two? I'd love to hear your opinion. Should it have been more? Should it have been I just so. taken a little further?
1: I don't think so. I am yeah. really
0: Because if... If it confused you and you thought it was like I, we were copping out and really not doing anything. uh uh-uh. Well, actually, we did a, a huge amount of work, so if you didn't notice it, it didn't work. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure, I sure. would have need. I should have taken it a little <laughs> bit more. Notice the double but lapels for sure. Subtle. Yeah. Well, no one I know wears that here, so yeah. I was sort of hoping that was enough. You know what I mean? I don't like doing... Uh, me personally, if I watch an alien show, I don't want to see it set in modern day. That's me. I actually loved that episode. I love the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I want to only see crazy aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 only, I only want to see atmospheres that humans can't possibly live in. You know, I want to see things floating around. Uh, Avatar is a great movie for me being really alien looking. There's there's been a few other things. I mean, I want to see it. I, that's what I want to see. So, for me, that's where I want to go. You know what I mean? That's what I love watching. One other thing
1: in in that same episode, it's Alara's hat was kind of like an important element there. It's wondering if there any challenges in designing that.
0: Well, I thought if you just see her at the beginning, it looks really stupid, and you're like, <laughs> why is she wearing that stupid hat? We made that <laughs> hat, by the way. Yeah, uh, that was made from scratch. Uh, and you only figure out why she's got the stupid hat on when she is in the altercation with a guy who's wearing one also. Mm -hmm. And he says, what, and I'm, I based it off the Afghani hat, uh, the traditional Afghani. And I think you could feel that from looking at it. And Mm -hmm. I tweaked it enough to make it different. So it is not an Afghani hat, but we needed it to cover her ears and to cover her forehead. Right. And we didn't want to do a floppy hat or hat with a wide brim. So we ended up with that one. And I think it works in the episode, but it is, uh, she looks a little strange in it. And when she tried it on, she was like, Joseph, do I have to wear this? And I said, yeah, you do, sweetheart. (laughs) You kind of (laughs) do. Sorry, dear. If you want, I'll I'll make one up for me, and I'll come on to set with you, and I'll wear one, too. That's what I said to her. (laughs) Yeah. And she was a good sport. She was a good sport. And it did kind of make sense. You know what I mean? Once yeah. when, when, in story storyline it, it worked, right. I
1: think. I think so too. That yeah, comes on my question. Joe, what do you got?
3: Uh no, I just I just wanted to say that I love the um I love the costumes from uh the uh, what well the season finale, the Mad Idolatry, the the uh kind of renaissance era costumes were were great.
0: Um, we went and a, had a little joke with the hats. So we put that stupid hat on Seth and he goes, you <laughs> know, Joe, no, I like this." <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> he said, yeah, I look like a fool. Let's go with this one. <laughs> and so I said, well, if you look like a fool, then we gotta make the other two boys look like a fool too. So we we made all of that stuff, believe it or not. That that actually wasn't rental from Renaissance. That, that stuff, I had that all made. Uh, so we, we put them in stupid hats, too. And it worked. It worked, I thought. It was, it was fun. Ah, the, the challenge to that episode was the last costumes in it, uh, the glowing ones. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember them, but mm-hmm. uh, those, yeah, those were a huge amount of work. We, we sculpted the necklines out of clay and cast them in a crystal. They originally were made with trace lights that went through the whole goddamn thing and flowed through the co- randomly like at sporadic moments they would start shooting in traits kind of very tron but more like fairy like like real strange and i found this source for these weird lights and we we did all of this work and we did it and we walked them up to set and god everyone saw them until now we get 200 crew members staring right we just <laughs> wanted to do seth and me conversation with the actors of about the look of this so i I go, well, what do you think? And he goes, oh, they're kind of cool. I go, wait a minute. I switched, put the switch on, right? And they started doing their thing. And they were like, ah, you've done it again, Joe. You've gone too far. (laughs) 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 And I said, well, we can take them out. You know that, right? And he said, yeah. I love it without. Let's go that route. But uh, they they, uh, they were, you know, that's 3M. I did uh, Captain EO with Michael Jackson back in the 80s. Did you? And yes, I was a, I was a costumer on it. I was not the designer. Okay. And I would, but I was with Michael for 10 weeks, and I was his dresser for two of the 10 weeks. And uh, I got great stories on that. Someday we'll talk about that. Uh, but we used that 3M. It was only in tape form at the time and we used it on our background guards, who uh, the evil guards who come out in the, in the musical. You can't remember them, but when you put a flashlight on it, they, it bounced off like it was completely electrified. And I said, let's go, because he wanted some kind of glowing ethereal costume. Uh, so I said, let's go back to the 3M product. And uh, it works. I mean, if you saw the way it was glowing, because like they threw all these lights on it the dp the went crazy and he was like flooding them with light and it <laughs> just bounces off of you it's really cool looking i thought nice for eight days you know i had eight days to do that <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> anyways
3: yeah the things that you are pull off in eight days are mind-blowing
0: Oh, thank you Thank you. Yeah, I, I think I've I need got. to maybe next year or into next year when I'm done with this season. It's time for me to do a sci-fi movie. Get get back into that. Nice. And try one of those out in in the break. time. Because I was a film designer for many, many years. And it's just been TV the last five. And it's time for me to get back and do another a film. Or a Western. I'd love to do a Western, too. Oh, yeah. Dude. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well, we, I so have we'll got see. lots of questions about
1: westerns for you, too, because I'm a big fan of that. But we'll have to have you back on and uh, and do this again. You, you It's been really nice talking to you, man.
0: Oh, it's been fun. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you. Thank
1: you, Joseph. All
0: right. Have a great you, night.
1: You, you too. too. Bye-bye. All right. All
0: right.
2: Bye-bye. Damn, I am sorry that I missed that one. It was good, huh? <laughs> you that was. Um, yeah, I like uh when you guys asked him about the, uh, you know, the best advice for cosplayers on how to make their uniforms, and all he offered was good luck. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. good luck, suckers.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. There are going to be a lot of cosplayers uh, looking, uh, listening to this podcast, wanting to know the answers. And basically, it's um, don't bother finishing your season one uniform because they're going to be changing in season two. <laughs> yeah,
3: not sure how much, but yeah, we got some really. Uh, we got some good, um, kind of preview
2: info with that. I did. Uh, there was something about a prison episode, correct? That'll have all sorts of different aliens. Not sure
3: if it, I, I, I don't, I don't recall if it were, if it was prison or not, but there is an episode that he said there will be a lot of aliens. He's not giving away too much on that anyway.
2: But I'm real interested in how these new badges and new, um, epaulettes will look, um, not that they needed an update, but it's a interesting instance. You really don't understand what goes into a, uh, a show like this with all its different elements. I mean, you understand, yes, it's, it's, it's difficult and there's a lot of professionals working on it. But like you said, even the easiest things, a lot of thinking and brainstorming and tinkering had to go and be involved.
3: Yeah, I'm also curious about what the changes to um to Isaac are gonna be. You know, maybe he'll be permanent Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I again um he's you know confirming what everybody else has said is that Seth is a hands-on guy and is involved with everything and basically had the uniforms designed already.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you
3: know, a, a piece of info that um, we didn't talk about actually during the uh, the interview with him, but that I noticed while going through his sketches is that the captain's name was originally Ed Stevens.
2: I wonder why they changed it to Mercer. We'll have to ask Seth when we have him on next week. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, a, a boy can wish for a Christmas miracle, can he? Or can he not?
3: Yeah, <laughs> not not going to be next week, but...
2: <laughs> but we'll talk about that yeah. later. Um. So yeah, we're recording this um, just before Christmas. And so but as long as I don't forget, guys, Merry Christmas, Michael. Merry Christmas, Joe. Yeah. Thank Happy you, holidays
3: you. to you too. I think we might still be at Hanukkah right
2: now. <laughs> uh we are. I uh showing my daughters daughter the way of the world have been lighting the Hanukkah. Or the lighting the Hanukkah. Listen how non Jewish I sound. Have been lighting <laughs> have been lighting the menorah for her every night. Just to we, give her... We're just lighting Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> we like the Hanukkah. Yeah, no, the menorah. And um Is she looking so, forward to a
1: uh, visit from the Hanukkah Armadillo?
2: Exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't be one of our podcasts, Michael, without a friend's reference, right? <laughs> um, so we've had time to think about it and reflect back on it, as one does this time of year. Um, we season one. We've all seen all the episodes. We've seen them multiple times. Um, obviously, we're fans of the show, so we don't need to cover, you know, that. Oh, I liked them all. I'm a fan. <laughs> but, um, and then after the first of the year, we'll talk more in details, like on what our favorite scenes or our favorite episodes, our favorite, you know, moments were. But in general and overall, um, walking away from season one, what do you, what, what are your guys thoughts? Hmm. it's
1: it's a great show, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great show. And I'm a fan. I think I'll have a podcast. (laughs) Is it everything you were hoping it to be? Uh, like Michael, I think it surprised you, correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I said this, like when I first showed up on this podcast, It, it was a big surprise to me because I had written it off before I even saw an episode of it. It just, it did not sound like something I would enjoy. And, uh, you know, it was a comment that you made after the about a girl episode, Dan, that, that pulled me into it. And, um, you know, I caught up very quickly and then, you know, stayed caught up since. And, um, yeah, so, you know, it was way more than I, uh, was initially, um, expecting. Um, but, uh, kind of once I got the feel for where it was going, it, it did not disappoint. I mean, it is, it is 12 episodes of really strong TV.
3: Yeah. I, um, it, it the depth surprised me because, yeah, you know, Fox uh, and and don't get me wrong, Fox, I, I like you guys and send me stuff, and us stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, anyway, the, just the the marketing campaign originally behind the show was really not the best to show what it was.
2: Yeah, it came off as a really Family Guy ish. That's a. Technical term in uh, television, uh, kind of show, and uh, they showed all the the comedy aspects of it, and I think it caught people off guard, uh, which would might relate to you know the not the f- most favorable reviews from critics and who didn't know what to make of it. They, you know, they were expecting a funny, funny, ha ha show, and it's it didn't it didn't deliver in that department. It delivered you know, tenfold in many other departments, which is great. And it does have a great sense of humor, but it's just an element of the show. And it's not what propels the show, which is what I think makes the Orville special and good. We've talked about this with all our guests and amongst ourselves that the Orville is very much a down to earth, which is kind of ironic thing to say about a science fiction show like this. And it's just very relatable because of the dialogue and the character interactions. Now, when I first heard about it, I'm like, okay, I'm all over this kind. This is my kind of science fiction show. This is what I love, having grown up on Star Trek and all its incarnations. And hearing that Seth MacFarlane was putting it together did not scare me at all. I did not expect... I wasn't expecting a funny ha-ha show knowing what a fan seth MacFarlane was about star trek i felt very comfortable i mean this is a guy who tried to bring star trek back itself as a show in the past he was uh you know he had minor roles in star trek enterprise just because he was a fan he has talked about his fandom for star trek so i was thinking very much along the lines of the show that we got was what i was expecting and I could not be happier. Yeah, I think
1: that, uh, that initial kind of marketing campaign, I think it was smart. I, it, was, it, it backfired on me personally. Um, but I, I have talked to a lot of people just in my normal life who are not real like science fiction fans, not real Star Trek fans, um, but tuned into the show because it looked funny. And um, I think we were were talking to David A. Goldman about it. Um, uh, He may have said something along these lines too. But uh, um, calling it like it's like it's it's kind of a gateway show, um, which is, you know, what Star Trek was for us. Um, You know, that was my first kind of real science fiction show, and and kind of started a love of science fiction that uh, just grew with other things like Star Wars. But uh, um, you know. Uh, i'm hoping and it seems like it is true that uh that the orville is is bringing in people just for the humor um but then introducing them to like these cool concepts and and scenarios that the the crew gets into week week after week
2: it's like come in for the humor stay for the messages right (laughs) um yeah I was pumped, like I said, I was pumped for the show from the beginning, and was planning, you know, a podcast about it just because I wanted to be a cool nerd um, and have a, a nerd like geek podcast about a nerd geek type show. And now, you know, I've got it, and we've done a, yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job, gentlemen. Pat yourselves on the back. Um, and I don't know. I guess I, I'm not going to say we lucked out with the how good the orbital actually turned out. Um, cause like I said, it didn't, didn't, well, maybe it did surprise me. It would, I'm maybe it, I'm not gonna say it was better than I thought it was going to be. It's, it's, uh, got its own definition. It's got its own style and it's got its own way of doing things, which I appreciate. Right on. Oh, thanks for right on. Cause I thought none of that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It totally does. Well, Michael, you understand. We've podcasted together for a couple of years now, so you understand Dan speak. Right. <laughs> I think Joe's still flipping through his, you know, Dan speak the English dictionary. Yeah, what did he mean yeah, with that? There's some kind of cryptex going on.
3: <laughs> but, uh, so, and, and also, uh, if we can take the prescience of, of joseph a poro of calling season two before season one started to the cast and crew and being right he said that he's very confident there'll be a season three
1: i'm putting that in the bank man
2: yep i think so too they they would really 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 have to fuck up royally with season two for there not to be a season three yeah um and that would have to be something i don't know Fox decision moving it to a shitty time slot or a bad night, uh, but if they play it like they played it, um, I think they will. Now, since we last discussed matters, uh huh, I
1: knew this was going to come up.
2: Disney, <laughs> yeah, Disney now has bought Fox and uh, property, as far as their programming and movies and television goes. Um, so at this point. I guess it's a Disney show now. It's owned by Disney, um, so you can. And Disney owns a healthy chunk of Hulu, so I don't think it'll change there. You'll still see the Orville on Hulu.
3: Yeah, and see, I'm wondering about the actual ownership. Okay, so Disney bought Fox Studios, movie and television. Right. I I sort of think that fuzzy door still owns the rights to
2: the orville Uh, as well does fox as well No, they co-own it all right yes fox fox owns the show um that's why it it had a better chance of uh, being renewed because it's a show that fox already owns as opposed to being a show done at a different studio where they're paying for and buying it from that studio so it's already their property and so, yeah, Disney now owns The Simpsons, which is outrageous. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying who would have thunk other right. than the fact that I think Simpsons called that 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so hopefully what this means is, like you said, maybe some more money for more episodes. I don't know. Some tells me it's going to stay its course mm-hmm. and they're just going to let them do what they've been doing.
3: Yeah, um, probably. I mean, they they don't tend to get too overly involved with the network type shows.
2: And it's just going to be more material for Disney to own and to show on their steaming, steaming, <laughs> <laughs> on their streaming yeah. channels. Um okay. So I think down the line, you will not find it on... You will not find the Orville when it's uh, reruns and such. You will not find it on Hulu or Netflix. It'll be whatever Disney comes up with unless they end up owning all of Hulu by then.
1: They have a majority of Hulu
2: now? I heard... I read 60%. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they had a
3: 30%, I believe, before, and then Fox had 30
1: Yeah. So I would love for uh, this deal to change their plans... To start their own streaming service, we just keep it on Hulu, which I already have a subscription to. <laughs> instead of making, uh, you're gonna
2: up. you're gonna have to buy the Disney. Yeah, when that comes available. Um, I totally will. They got enough stuff. Yeah, they've got and uh, plenty of stuff, but. Um, yeah, and I, I don't,
3: I, and I I agree on the earlier note that I I really don't think this is gonna change much of anything, because I believe Fox. Or sorry, that Disney bought Fox primarily for uniting the Marvel brand and the distribution rights for Star Wars overall. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. they it, seem to be the biggies. It's funny. Um, you know, when this news broke, the internet was all a, a, a flutter with the nerds and geeks, our people. Discussing, oh, finally we get to see the X-Men and the Avengers together in a movie. And I never bothered with that. I mean, I was again, I was just thinking about what this means. And we'll have to maybe discuss this on Nerd World, Michael. Yeah. About what it means with rebooting or bringing back 20th century Fox properties under Disney's canopy. I mean, Michael, Planet of the Apes. What's going to happen there? There can be something great there. And so we'll save that for a a nerd world discussion. Yeah. But folks, don't worry about it. Uh, Orville is good for another season. And if you listen to uh, Joseph Poro, it's good for a third season. So I think we're safe. Yes, sir. But speaking of television, I came across an interesting little thing that might be of interest to Orville fans. I don't know. Um, Do do you guys? Do you two guys know what my favorite TV show in the whole world is? Uh, Golden Girls,
3: Scrubs, Scrubs. No, I know it's Scrubs. I was
2: Scrubs is my my ultimate favorite television show of all time. I can every year I start from episode one, season one, and I go all the way through season nine. I watch them, even the horrible season nine where they are at a school. Um, That's got Dave
1: Franco in it. It's it's watchable.
2: Exactly. Um, But apparently, Bill Lawrence, the creator of Scrubs, is doing a multi-camera workplace ensemble show. And by multi-camera, that means it's the kind where it's done in front of a live audience and they use three cameras on a fixed set. Entitled Spaced Out. And it's about the world of commercial space travel.
1: Huh. Huh.
2: So we're going to have another... Science fiction comedy show,
1: but more of a sitcom kind of format. A sitcom, yeah, exactly. Like. All right, I'm now, in.
2: yeah, I, this is this will be more along the lines of you know, he he was one of the co creators of Spin City as well, yeah, and Cougartown and Cougartown. Scrubs yeah. and Cougartown were single camera productions, they were shot okay. like a movie. Right, right. No, no laugh tracks, no audience, not in front of a live audience. Spin City was sh- shot in front of a live audience. Yeah. That's what this show will be like. So, people, you are getting the benefit right now of my radio television film major at Long Beach State. <laughs> 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 and my dad's probably up in heaven going, "Good. at least some, some of that money is finally going to good use. <laughs> Whatever he's talking about, I never paid attention to what he was studying in class. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's, I think, uh, this is no threat to the Orville, but I think it's a good omen, a good sign that other networks are, are impressed enough with how the Orville is doing because, I mean, it's technically classified as a comedy, mm-hmm. we call uh, it a dramedy and so i think it's if these other networks and studios are impressed enough to pursue their own science fiction humor projects it's a good thing
1: yeah imitation is the uh sincerest form of flattery
2: is that how that goes right and so we got um Bill Lawrence, when you're ready, we're ready to do the podcast for your spaced out. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> my allegiance is for the Orville, but I do love my I do love my Bill Lawrence in comedies, and Scrubs is the greatest show ever on television. Even better than the Orville. Sorry. <laughs> do we have anything else, guys? Before I get myself in trouble, any more trouble? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um. Well, not for me. No, not really.
2: <laughs> I mean, All right, well, the, the uh, first official episode of Ensign Hansen has has come out. Most of you listening to this have probably listened to that 10-minute episode. You're going, what the hell, 10 minutes? But that's what it was. Um, we hope you dug it. If you dug it, just leave good thoughts, or not good thoughts, good um Good reviews and ranks and ratings, uh, just as you did for Planetary Union Network. Or if you haven't done for Planetary Union Network, please do. We will be bringing you more Ensign Hansen after the first of the year. Um, I don't know, maybe Joe, slap it on the end of this, this episode.
3: Yeah, I can do that.
2: Yeah, so if you haven't listened to it yet, just stick around. We'll uh, play it for you again. And um, we're still working on new episodes of planetary union network we're plotting we're planning we're getting guests together so we're not going to take a hiatus until september october when the new show season starts we will continue throughout the year like we've said before with planetary union network the orville fan podcast maybe not as frequently but we will continue like in january we will be reviewing the new the world of the orville book uh by jeff bond um we're still working on lining up guests and contacting various people. We're talking to special effects people. Now we're still talking to the actors, um, both minor and ma- major, uh, characters. So a lot of stuff is going on behind the scenes for the podcast. So you guys, uh, fans of the Orville will definitely want to stick around.
3: Yeah. There's some major things going on behind the scenes
2: uh,
3: <laughs> and I'm just not going to fucking run it this time. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's it. Uh, real quick, I don't want you guys to forget uh, to follow us on Twitter at planetary underscore union. That's our official Twitter feed. That's where we do most of our interaction with you guys about the podcast and about the Orville itself, where we do uh, share news about the Orville. You can join our Planetary Union Facebook page. That's the official page. And then we have a group as well called Punsters, P-U-N, Planetary Union. There you go. Network and um, that's kind of a group page. Really hasn't taken off yet, uh, but that's where we're looking to have conversations with them, not only with us, but the fans themselves about uh, the Orville to talk about stuff. And when we get news pieces of news and little articles, we will put them up at uh, orvilleobserver.com, and that's sort just our little news website. But there's really not a lot going on right now. But as soon as uh, production picks up in February, that's going to be the place to go um, if you just want to. See a quick uh, news articles about what's happening with the Orville. I covered everything, guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, you guys heard me? I mentioned Nerd World. That's a podcast I do with Michael May and Ron Ankeny, where we talk about um, this sort of stuff. And uh, we will before Christmas, hopefully before the end of the year. Definitely will be releasing our The Last Jedi episode. So if you're any have any interest in that movie and want to hear. My thoughts on it, Michael's thoughts, Uh, Joe's going to try to join us as well from here. Uh, We might have Brandon, who played Ensign Henson on that, uh, joining us as well. So we're going to have a big roundtable talking about The Last Jedi. And you can find out more information on that at Nerd World. But that's N3. We used the numeral 3 for an E because we're that nerdy. Leet. And, um... (laughs) I just started a new podcast, solo podcast called Odd Dan Out, and it just went live today. Um, check that out. You can find that on Twitter at uh, Odd Dan Out. And Michael, what podcast are you finishing up before the in, or with the end of the year?
1: Uh, we just released the pod, uh, episode of uh, Dragonfly Ripple, which is what I do with my friend Carlin and, and our kids, his daughter Annalise, my son David, and um, just... Uh, as we record this today we dropped our Last Jedi uh, conversation which is really just our kids talking about their thoughts on it and, Carlin and I kind of just led the discussion but we didn't really share our thoughts too much so You were um, just there
2: to drop the F-bombs Yeah right <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Yeah so that's uh, that's that's the most recent one that I've done.
3: Alright going to fire up uh, pretty soon, and I, we were talking about it a little bit before Michael joined up, but um, my new little solo podcast where I will yell and cuss and scream at the television while trying to play a different classic Nintendo game every week, and <laughs> I'm calling that one Joe versus the Nintendo.
1: Ah, uh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs>
2: All right, so uh, we just added another 20 minutes of material on this episode plugging other podcasts. (laughs) Hopefully you'll check them all out. And, And again, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everybody.
3: finished with that EVA repair yet?
4: Uh, no. Plasma welding really isn't my thing. And extravehicular activity plasma welding really isn't my thing.
3: You're reinforcing the window to the captain's office. Plasma welding better become your thing real quick.
4: Don't rush me. If I crack the seam, the window will explode out and the captain will be sucked out into space. I don't want to be known as the ensign who sucked his captain out into space.
3: The ensign who did what?
4: Never mind, that didn't come out right. I don't know why I'm out here doing this in the first place. I'm a payload specialist. I get nauseous on spacewalks. I don't like EVAs.
3: Nobody likes EVAs. But if someone's going to be sent out the airlock to pass the hall, it's going to be the guy that sent an email to the captain and calling him a dick.
4: That was a computer error, not me. I never called the captain a dick. I just said that he... Oh, oh the exo just walked into his office.
3: Are they fighting again?
4: No. They're being civil. They were married? Affirmative. And she cheated on him?
3: With a Retepsian.
4: The aliens that squirt blue goo out of their face? Don't they? Oh crap. The captain's motioning at me.
3: He probably wants you to hurry and finish the repair before he gets blown out into space.
4: Right. I'm on it. The captain just motioned at me again. How so? A slashing motion across his neck. He
3: probably wants your oxygen cut off because you called
4: him a dick. What are you doing? Giving him the thumbs up. The thumbs up? Finish the job later and get back in the airlock. Roger that. I think I'm gonna hurl in my helmet.
3: Instant DB from IT is waiting for you in your quarters to fix your computer issues.
4: Ensign D.B. Sorry to keep you waiting. They had me out on an EVA.
5: You're sorry. Is that all you have to say? The time of IT personnel is extremely limited. You think we can just wait around for you to show up and we'll fix your computer issues with a wave of our magical computer wand? Do you know that I can flood your drive with encrypted krill propaganda so convincing that you'll be court-martialed as a double agent?
4: Look, I said I was sorry, I didn't-
5: Don't sweat it, I'm just yanking your chain. I got nothing better to do down in IT than wipe hard drives of alien porn.
4: Ha! <laughs> okay, cool. Wait, what kind of alien porn?
5: With all the different life forms on this ship, we see some pretty freaky stuff. Like Ritepsian macaki Bruidian Trebuchet, Navarian Seesaw.
4: What's a Navarian Seesaw? Wait, never mind. Just. Fix my computer.
5: Did you try turning it off and turning it back on?
4: That works?
5: No. Okay, I need to run a quick scan. And... there's nothing wrong with your computer.
4: How can you tell? You just waved some wand thing over it. Isn't there some sort of diagnostic test or reboot that you need to run? Look, you're new on board, right? Yeah.
5: When you record your personal logs, always make sure that you close the recorder when you're done, and never ever refer to the captain as a dick.
4: I didn't! I said I hoped he wasn't a dick.
5: You seem like an okay guy. You got any hobbies?
4: Wait, did we just change subjects?
5: Yes. Any hobbies?
4: Uh, no, not really.
5: Ever do D&D?
4: Is that another alien sex act?
5: No, I'm talking about Dungeons and Dragons, the role-playing game.
4: Wow. You're in the IT department and you play Dungeons and Dragons? Nerd much?
5: This nerd can fill your computer drive with incriminating evidence of any number of crimes within the Planetary Union.
4: Uh, yeah. A little. At Central Point.
5: (laughs) What edition? Edition? What edition of D&D did you play?
4: I don't know, whatever edition was out at the time.
5: Hmm, probably 40th. A group of us on board play old school 25th edition if you're interested.
4: Play Dungeons and Dragons?
5: Yeah, we play in the environmental simulator on Friday nights. We got an actual ogre as dungeon master. Well, a holographic simulated ogre, but he's real cool.
4: I guess. I got nothing else going on on Friday nights.
5: Great. We'll see you there. I gotta go.
4: Well, thanks for your help, I guess.
5: Oh, and if you want to check out what a Navarian seesaw is, just hit Alt-Control-F6. It'll anonymously log you into the ship's porn database.
4: There's a porn database?
5: Strictly maintained for archival reasons, but entertaining nonetheless. See ya!
4: Hmm. Alt, control, F6. Oh my god!
6: Planetary Union Network presents Ensign Henson, a fan-made production based on the Orville created by Seth MacFarlane. Featuring Brandon J. Carr as Ensign Henson. Joe Quickle as Lieutenant Pardo. Brandon J. Carr as D.B. Ensign Henson is a Geek Punk and Quickle Media production. Conceived, written, and produced by Dan Taylor. Produced, mixed, and edited by Joe Quickle. Music by Giovanni Lodigiani. If you enjoy Ensign Henson, please be sure to leave a favorable rating and review. For more information, visit ensignhenson.com and follow Ensign M. Henson on Twitter. Be sure to listen to Planetary Union Network. Orville Fan Podcast and visit planetaryunion.net. The Orville and all related marks, logos, and characters are owned by Fuzzy Door Productions and 20th Century Fox Television. This fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with Fuzzy Door Productions or 20th Century Fox Television and is a non commercial, fan made audio production intended for recreational use.